Well, we've been in a series for uh, a while now called Right Words. So we're going to um, cover a few scriptures that we've covered, and we're going to uh, go in a certain direction tonight. Hebrews 10.23, let's go ahead and, and turn there. Or they'll put it up on the screen. Hebrews 10.23, we're going to look at this in a few different translations. Hebrews 10.23 It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, in context, Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians. Hebrews was written to people that were considering giving up their faith. People that were, that were wavering, considering. And, and this is the context this is written here. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. hope. Hope in the Bible, when you read hope, it'll help you a lot if you read it, expectation. Hope means expectation. And in our modern vernacular, the way we speak commonly, when we use hope, we don't mean expectation. We don't mean expect. We mean wish. When you say, I hope such and such happens, that means boy, I'd really like it. Boy, I wish it were so. That doesn't, you're not saying, when somebody says, I hope this will happen, they don't mean I confidently expect this is going to happen. Most of the time, right? That's not the way people mean it. So he is saying here, let us hold fast the confession of our expectation without wavering. Let's hold fast what we said, what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he is to us and what we're going to experience because of that. And he said, without wavering, what, what's wavering? What does a wave do? Up, down, up, down, you know, one minute's up, next minute's down, up, down. You got big waves, you got little waves, you know, but it's up and down. It says, don't waver. Keep, uh, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. We're talking about right words, and we talking, we've, we've, we've touched on different facets of this. But here it is, it is saying the confession, let's hold fast the confession of our hope. And here it's talking about specifically salvation without wavering for he who promised is faithful. But this applies in every area. And tonight we're going to get into uh, declaring the word, declaring our independence from the dominion of Satan or sin or anything that would bind. Declaring what the word says about our situation, about our lives, regardless of what we see, we feel, we experience. Because how many of you know this world will push on you? What you see, what you feel, circumstances, it'll press on you. Just If you just listen to people that aren't godly, that, that don't believe God, the words that come out of their mouth, the images that are, are made, the, the news, everything, it is, not, it is not pointing you to the Lord most of the time. Right? I'm talking about just secular stuff you hear. You get up, you turn on the radio, you look at the internet. It is, majority of it is not godly. It's not pushing, it's not pressing and, and, and turning you towards God. It, a lot of times, it's trying to talk you out of your faith. It's trying to say, there's no God. I mean, you don't, you don't have to look very far. Just look at some story and then look at the comment board. What are they saying? It, you know, just, watch, just look at any, you know, I don't, I don't uh, recommend you do this a lot. Okay, but you know, you see some headline that has anything to do with faith or God, 
immediately. Look down in the comments section. You got the people that are rallying for it, and then you got all the people that are coming out going, there's no religion. This is just a bunch of idiocy. There's no man in the sky, right? Anybody ever seen it? And then it's just back and forth. You see the same people going back and forth, and they probably are on 15 other comment boards, probably know each other, you know, not personally, but they're going back and forth and like, oh, you're, you're there again, you know, pinhead, and I, you say this, and it's just, it's funny. It's sad. But that's the kind of stuff you see all the time. Just get something that has to do with God. It's amazing how people get so passionate about somebody that doesn't exist. People get really ticked about God, really ticked about people that believe in, well, if he doesn't exist, just let him be stupid and go on. But they think it's a cancer that needs to be cut out. You know, we need to get rid of these ignorant people that believe in God that use it as a crutch. That's what people think. You know, in this day and age, you talk about witnessing to people. Do you understand that a lot of people, they think they're beyond that, and you're the one that needs to be saved. You're the one that needs to be witnessed because you're in some cult. You're stupid, and you believe in a God that doesn't exist. That's the mentality. But there is a God in heaven. And this world is going to try to beat it out of you and try to get you to believe he doesn't exist. He's not true. His word isn't true. There isn't a spirit. There isn't a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It's all just, you know, a bunch of men's ideas. That's, well, there is a God in heaven. The, the, the power of God is real. God is real. His word's true. And as we walk through this life, we're going to be tempted, though, just like these Christians were, to not hold fast to what we believe and what the Word says, and to start speaking opposite. And there will be pressure for you to say opposite of what you, you believe. There's pressure. There's not something going on that looks like you think it should. The pressure will be, just, just speak out the opposite. Just say What's going on? Where's God? How would this be? You know, and just to speak it. And there's a temptation to do that. And here we need to take this in all areas. It says, hold fast the confession of our hope. There, this is talking about literally you hold fast to your expectation that there is a Lord Jesus, that by his uh, blood you are saved and you are going to see him. And that in this life you have help and he is walking with you through his spirit, the spirit of God inside of you. And, and on the earth, day to day, you, we need to hold fast that confession and say it. Well, this applies to every area of life. Whatever the Word says, we need to hold fast to it. What, what, do you, what kind of picture do you get when you hear the words, hold fast? Hold fast depicts something of your holding tight. Why? Because there's something trying to get you to let go. Get it, trying to get you to give up. Let's look at this in a few uh, other translations. Hebrews 10.23 says, So let us seize and hold fast and retain, uh, in the Amplified, and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and, and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. See, that's why we are holding fast, because he who promised is faithful. He's reliable. He's re faithful to his word and he's reliable and sure. If God is not reliable and sure, then we're a bunch of fools. 
And Paul said as much. And he said, if, we, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, because that's, that's the core, the crux of everything. If he didn't really raise from the dead, we are stupid. And God's word is, if that part's false, everything is false, and there's no reason. You guys are wasting your time here tonight, if that's true. You're wasting your time reading the Bible. There isn't, you're wasting your time when you pray, because there's no God, if that were true. But he is reliable and sure and faithful. And that's why we can hold fast and say what he says, even in the face of circumstances that don't, they don't look like he is true and reliable. That's when we have to say, but he is, and his word's true. And what he said about my situation will come to pass. We're just reviewing some of this, and then we'll go on a little bit further. But let's look at it in a few more translations and then go on. The New Living Translation says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for, we, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Remember, these people were tempted to throw it all away and say, Go back to Judaism. They were tempted just to say, Forget it. We made a mistake. Jesus isn't the Christ. Now, you may say, well, I'm not tempted to go away from Jesus, but what are we believing in our life and what are we tempted to let go of? What are we tempted that God has promised us and we believe and then circumstances pressure, put pressure on us and we are like, well, you know, where is God? What, what's going on? If God were true, what is this happening? And it tries to get us to back off. It tries to get us to let go. See, it says, hold tightly, hold tightly. Why? Because something's trying to get you to let go. It's not when everything's sunny and it's a sunny day and, you know, no clouds in the sky and it's 75 and everything I'm talking about figuratively in your life that you need to hold tightly. It's when things are blowing and the storm is crashing and it doesn't look like you're going to get through it that you need to hold tightly. And part of it is our mouth. Our mouth is so important because like we've covered before, as your tongue goes is the way your life's going to go. Yours, mine, every other human on the face of the earth. We declare what we want to see in our life. We've been given authority in our own life. We've been given a free will, and what we say is going to go. It's not what somebody else says about you. It's what we say. In the NIV, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. In the God's Word translation, it says, We must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. The one who made the promise is faithful. We must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. What we've declared is true. What God has said is true. What we declare, we believe, we need to hold tightly through thick, through thin, through hard times, through pressure, through circumstances that look like there's nothing you know, worth pushing through, when it looks like God isn't there, that's when we need to say, no, God's true. God's right. God's real. God is my Father, and He is going to do what He said He will do. The, the very word of, the Bible says that the, the universe is upheld by the word of His power. And if he isn't true, if he breaks his word, if he doesn't come through, then everything is subject to just blowing apart because he, his word, is what holds it all together. And this isn't a fairy tale. This is reality. God's word holds everything together. He can be trusted. He never turns. There's no shadow of turning with him. He's faithful. Everybody say God's faithful. 
Say it again. God is faithful. God is faithful. Now say it to him. Say, Lord, you are faithful. I judge you faithful. I judge you faithful. I judge you faithful. Praise God. He is a faithful, faithful God. Let's read Revelation. We'll go ahead and put this up on the screen. Revelation 12, 10. We, re we went through some of these <coughs> uh, before. But in this context, what we're covering tonight, they'll be repeating. Revelation 12, 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in he uh, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren that, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to the death. Now notice a few things here. Uh, let's just read verse 10 again. It says, Then I heard a loud, voice in, uh, a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. That's Satan. He is the accuser. When you, send, when you have accusations coming against you in your mind, could be through other people, I'm talking about unjust things, things that, that just would try to beat you up, tell you God's not faithful, tell you that you're just never going to make it, tell you that, that God's word won't work for you. you. We have to understand there is a being called Satan. There is an enemy of God who used to be a, an angel. He was, he's a created being. He rebelled against God. He was cast out of heaven. The Bible calls him the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says he's the God of this world. He doesn't own the world, but he's the God of it. You understand, you can, you can have dominion over something, but not own it. Anybody ever leased an apartment, leased, in a, leased a car, been the manager of a company? Well, you may not own the building, but you've been given a responsibility to manage it. Well, Satan wasn't given the responsibility to manage the earth. Adam was given dominion in this earth, but Adam was duped. Adam and Eve were duped to bow their knee to Satan, and Satan took over. And the Bible calls him the God of this world. And he, Adam subjected mankind to the rule of Satan, and Satan goes back. He, does, he has a lease on this earth. God couldn't come in and say, oh, time out, do over. Wait, he didn't know what he was doing. Let's do it over. No, he had to abide by the laws of the universe. So Satan has a short time here, and he knows it's short. And he's a liar, and he's a deceiver, and he's an accuser. And so he comes and tries to accuse, boy, everybody, but the Christian tries to talk you out of what is rightfully yours. He's a con, he's a liar. Jesus called him the li a, the, the, a liar and the father of it. And so he is trying to talk. He, he accuses. He tries to, he accuses God. He'll accuse God to you. He'll say, Where's, where was God? How could that happen? Where was God? He's a liar. We have to go back to the Word. And we have to believe what the Word says. But we have to know. We have to understand. In this, what we're talking about this evening, we, we need to understand that there is an enemy. There's an enemy that's trying to talk you out and get you to, to declare his plan for your life. Get you to declare defeat. 
get you to declare that God is not for you, that his word won't work, because then he can wiggle his way in there just like a con on the earth could and take advantage of you. When we declare, wait, where's God? I don't know. How is this going to work? We're, not, we're, we're letting our words dictate what God can or cannot do. You say, well, why don't God just do it anyway? God has bound himself to certain laws. And one of them is he gave us a free will. And he will not override your will. He's a gentleman. So much so that he will let men and women go to hell because they choose to. Because they choose to listen to the devil's lies and go to the same place that he's going. God didn't send them to hell. People say, I refuse to believe. God says, okay. Because for him to come over and override it, to be just, he'd have to do that for everybody. But he gave men a free will. He can't take it back. Yeah, but people are stupid. They're, gonna, they're just going to reject God. Yeah, and he'll let them do it. He will. And in every area, it's the same way. So what happens? We're go if he'll do it with salvation, he'll do it with everything. So if we're walking through life, we have rights and privileges that Jesus has bought and paid for through his blood, through his death, burial, and resurrection, and the accuser is going to try to accuse you and try to talk us out and get us to relinquish it. Say, ah, where's God? What? He hasn't done anything. He's not, where is he? And he wanted, he's trying to accuse. He'll accuse God. He'll accuse you. you. You can't believe anything. What are you, you're not a Christian. I mean, look at the last things you've done the last three days. What? God's not going to listen to you. God's not going to come through for you. Who are you? You call yourself a Christian? You're a sad Christian. You're a sad dad. You're a sad mom. You're a sad husband. You stink. And to try to get you to say and agree with that. And what we need to know is the word and say, well, I may have missed it. In that case, I may have missed it. I may have messed up. But thank God the Bible says that if I confess my sin... God is faithful and just to cleanse me and forgive me of all my sin. I'm saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I might have missed it. But I brought it before him, and the highest power in the universe absolved me. So who are you, Mr. Devil, to come and accuse me? Shut up and get out of here. And we need to declare what God has said, not just what we feel. Because the accusations are meant to defeat us, to meant to get us to give in. Revelation 12, 11 in the Amplified says this, They overcame, they conquered him by means of the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. So, they, so there's an accuser, but it says we, they, and it's talking about saints, overcame him, overcame the accuser, conquered the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance or the saying of their testimony. Saying what God said. What God's word says, speaking, that's how we overcome the accuser, is number one, by the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus has done for us, and then we enforce it by what we say, by what we believe and what we say. We need to understand this. We need to declare what God has said and declare our independence from anything Satan would try to lord over us. We need to declare it. We need to say, no, God's word's true. Whatever it is, it could be depression, poverty, marital issues, sickness, 
whatever, any form of death, because all those things are death, we've been redeemed from. And we need to declare no, and it may look completely the opposite, and this is the challenge. It may look one way. It may look like we're defeated. It may look like, no, there's no hope. The doctor said, that's it. There's no way. Well, just be, I, thank God for medicine. Thank God for what doctors can do, but they are not God. And they don't know everything. How many of you know medical science knows more today than they did 10 years ago? Would you rather go to the doctor today or 100 years ago with the knowledge they have? Well, they were doctors, they knew certain things, but they didn't know what they are now. Well, how many of you know if, if Jesus doesn't come back another 10 years, they're going to know more? Well, you know, today God knows everything. And he's not limited. His power can correct anything like that. It can. He is the Almighty. And he's delivered us, and he said this, but we can't, we have to take these things and put, say, that's the way it is in my life. This is the way it is in my life. I believe what God said. And, and the accuser will come and say, what are you, you're crazy. You're going to die. Did you hear what the doctor said? You're going to die. And we say, you have, we have to come right back and say, no, I declare what Jesus said, what the words of the Almighty said. The Bible said he himself took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses on the cross. By his stripes I were, I was, and I am healed. And then we declare what is true through the word. We declare independence of Satan. Praise God. Let's look at Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We're going to go on, but just stop right there. Look at verse 31. Now, he's covered a lot. You know, said all these things work together for good. It says in uh, verse 828, all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are the called according to his purpose. But here it, it's saying, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What's that saying? If he didn't spare his own son, because this is what the accuser will say. He'll come, and we'll read this more. He'll say, what? Why did this happen? What's going on here? God doesn't love you. God's not there for you. And this is what this is saying here. It, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It's saying, look, if he gave us his only son, how will he not give us everything else we need? Can you imagine, you who have children, can you imagine giving up your child for somebody? You sacrificed your son or daughter 
let's just say figure to, I mean, in reality, but you know, you say, well, how that happened? Just let's say you gave up, something happened, and they gave their life for somebody else to live. Now, your child is dead. They're gone from this earth. They're alive. If they're, if they're Christian, they're alive in heaven. If that person were to come to you and say, I just, you know, I don't know if you really love me. What, what would be your response? I mean, you could have all kinds of responses, but I know you're telling me I gave my son or my daughter and you're asking me, do I love you? What, what more could I give you? How am I supposed to prove it? What, what do you want me to do? Money's nothing. I could have given you everything I own. I gave you my, my child. You, you, you don't believe I love you? That's what he's saying here. Because the accuser will say, well, God doesn't love you. He already proved his love. That's, that's without question. He already showed us he loved us. And he has. And the, 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 the thoughts that somehow he doesn't are lies. And they're, they're cleverly packaged lies. Satan knows your buttons. I'm not glorifying him. He's just been around for a long time. He understands people. You talk about people, you know, doing people study. He, he's been around for millennia, at least. He understands people, and he knows how to push, make something look, so, you know, such a way that if you're not walking according to the Word of God, you'll bite. He knows how to put pressure. He knows how to say, yeah, but this and this, and try to reason. That's why the reasoning realm, you're going to get defeated if we stay in the reason realm. If we don't step out of it and look and declare what the Word of God says in the face of what looks like contradictory circumstances, we will be defeated. Because we have an accuser that's going to come try to bring stuff to you that, that's going to just try to get you, try to appeal to your mind. Well, why did, well what about this? What, what about that? If, if you know, God wasn't there for this, and then he'll, he's, he's a weasel. He's wicked. He, holds no, he, he pulls no punches. Anything is on the table. He's wicked. He'll try to twist and show. And if you try to match wits with them, you'll be defeated. But if you go to what God's word says and just say, nope, God said he loves me. God said he's true. God said he'll come through. God said he's faithful. God said, I will not fail you. And we say that in his faith. He can't deal with that. But this is how we get through. This is how when the pressure comes, we just start speaking the word of God. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to understand everything about it. We just need to let it come out of our mouth. The, the challenge in every hard situation, the hardest thing, the, the, the most critical thing, is believing the word and speaking the word. It's not the circumstance. Did you hear me? In any situation, it's not the details of the circumstance. It's the pressure to not speak what the word of God says. It's to not believe the word of God. Because if we believe the word of God and we speak the word of God, there is nothing impossible. But the pressure will be, cut your belief off, and don't speak it. Don't, have you ever noticed it? To shut up and not only not speak it, say the opposite. That's the battle. That's the battle. Get you to drop your belief 
and start speaking against it. Because Satan is trying to cut us off from what we have in God and start declaring what he would have to do for us. And the thing is, by doing that, that gives him access and ties God's hands. You say, how can God's hands be tied? Because he gave us a free will and we are the authority in our life. When we don't feel like it, when we think it looks like nothing can be done in a situation, that's the time to say, God, you're faithful. You may not see how, you may not have any understanding, but that, if you will trust him and say what he says, that gives him access to do what he wants to do in your life apart from our understanding. Apart from what we see, what we can... How many of you know, if we're limited by our understanding, we're going to be really limited. Because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. If you're looking at a situation go, going, I just can't figure it out. I mean, how would God ever do anything? And you're going you're gonna to just say, well, I mean, when I can figure it out, then I'll start believing God. You're going to be sorely limited. Do you know how many instances in the Bible, if they were waiting, and this is a lot of times what happened, if, they, if, if, if the people that were in any given situation, you look at the Israelites over and over, they're like, how are we going to get through this? Uh, if... If they don't believe God, then they limit God. If they just, the times where people said, God, I don't see how, but at your word, like Mary, having Jesus, the angel came to her and said, you're going to have a child by the Holy Spirit. And she said, let it be unto me as you say. If she would have said, well, no, you got to explain exactly. Now, she said, how would this be like? What's going to happen? He said, the Holy Spirit's going to shadow, overshadow you. But they didn't say, he, she didn't get it explained to him. Well, no, I need to understand. I, I don't get this because there's no man involved. Can you explain it to me? If we had to wait till she understood it, it would not have happened. A teenage girl is going to understand exactly what's going on. I mean, we don't understand that, but you can believe it. And if we limit God based on what we see and what we understand and go, God, I just don't see how you're going to do this. I'm going to wait till I, I understand it and then I'm going to move. That's going to be limited. But if we just say, God, you said it, I believe it. Then we can go forward. So it said, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is he, or it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Saying there is nothing that can separate us. There is no thing. God has proven his love through Jesus, and he's saying nothing. All, he lists all these things. They're not going to separate us, and in fact, he says we are more than conquerors. Not just conquerors, not just coming through, but more than conquerors. It means super conquerors, hyper conquerors. You don't just win, you win big. So no matter what 
what it looks like, we need to remind ourselves, well, it doesn't matter. The love of God is, I'm still connected to the love of God. God still loves me. And he said I would come over and come through. It doesn't matter what it is. And then Satan will say, yeah, but such and such and such. And you say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. And that's why we need to put, we need to declare this and say, no, I will come over. No, I'm coming through. No, I'm going to come over and God is for me and we will win. We need to look at every trial as another opportunity to prove that God's word works. When the trial comes, when it's not that God's sending all these things. It's not that God is the author, but we live in a fallen world. Stuff comes against us, and when something comes up, instead of going, oh my gosh, I guess the word of God doesn't work. Where is God? And start speaking that. We need to look at it as another opportunity to prove that God's word's true. We need to look at it as an opportunity. This is just going to be another victory. This is just going to be a notch in my belt. Here we go. We're overcoming. We're, this is an opportunity to see God move. When, and that's not the natural inclination. When something comes up, the inclination is to say, oh no, what are we going to do? And where's God? And how is this? And look at that. And look at this report. And listen to that. And instead of that, look at it and go, okay, here we go again. I know how this is turning out. We're going to conquer. We're going to win. We're going to not just beat it, we're overcoming it, and we're going to shine. This is an opportunity for us to have victory. This is an opportunity for us to see the power of God work. Not in a just somebody else's account. This is an opportunity for a testimony. When I look back on this, I'm going to give God glory. See, conqueror is just winning. When you talk about more than a conqueror, that is just taking it and winning and then rubbing Satan's face in it. And just, ma just making him pay for it. Amen? You, something comes against you, and you win, and then you go tell everybody how God delivered you. And how God brought you over. And what God did through it. That's not just winning. Now you're telling everybody how you won. And you're telling how everybody how good God is. And you're telling everybody how uh, he was faithful. And how he was victorious in your life. Satan hates that. But that's more than a conqueror. You don't just win. You win big. And you push it, just shove it in his face. We don't need to be scared of Satan. Yes. He's a defeated foe. Yes. He is not the equal and opposite of God. You know? He is a created being, a fallen being, and far, far, far under God's power and dominion. And as his children, as God's children, we need to understand that when we come up against something, God is with us, he's for us, and we need to, the pressure's going to come to try to push us off of saying what we're reading here. And we need to get bold, we need to get strong and say, no, I am more than a conqueror. God, he loves me. None of these things, no matter what is coming, it's not enough to separate me from his love. He's here now, he's here now, he's here now, and he'll bring me through. Always. And we're going to win. Declaring that. Saying that. Strong. Strong. 
Because the thoughts can come, how many of you know the thoughts can come strong and rapid? You're going down. You're going down and paint you a picture of what it's going to look like or what your children are going to look like or what your body's going to look like when you're defeated. And we need to push back just as hard and declare what God's word says and get strong about it. Amen.